Greetings Grapple fans, I'm Rob Naylor in particular, and welcome to Let Me Tell You Something's latest edition of Match of the Week, where myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, pick a match from the wide world and history of pro wrestling to give a little bit of a, a briefish, but hopefully still deep enough analysis, critical reappraisal perhaps. We take it in turns to make our choice, and this is my choice. This is coming from 2005 for the Indie Fed IWA Mid-South, run by one Ian Rotten, making their debut in Philadelphia, because I think one of the most significant aspects of this match is its location. We're in the old ECW arena, and it's a real clash of styles. Not involving AJ Styles or the Styles Clash, but it is involving a hero of the indie scene, the very serious indie scene, Samoa Joe, with a very unusual appointment for him, a deathmatch specialist of the Necro Butcher. A man yeah. started to develop a real cult-like following over the years to the point that he was on The Wrestler. And he got a name checked at the Oscars by James Franco, I remember that year. First time I ever heard of him was when I heard about this thing on the indie scene and seen like a music video or a highlights package of it. I might have actually seen the whole match. This is a match I've watched a fair few times, I think, over the years. Because it's incredibly short. Like this, this episode is definitely going to be longer than the match itself. The match itself. itself is only 9 minutes 49 seconds. I think that's what it's down as on Cage Match. It's also rated on Cage Match as the greatest match. Actually, no, it's not. I think it's like the third greatest match in the history of um, IWA Mid-South. The other two being the CM Punk Chris Hero matches. The uh, very, very long ones. I was going to say, talk about opposite ends of the spectrum there. Yeah. But what was your knowledge or awareness or understanding of the Necro Butcher, Simon? Did you know anything? I knew it? he'd had a feud... He'd had rumblings with Joe because I, I was aware of the RRH versus CZW sort of invasion feuds mm. they had. Well, yeah, I think this match probably really was a key inspiration point for Gabe Sapolsky to do that feud, which happened a year later. Yeah, and I, I was aware of the Ultraviolet Tournament of Death. I've not seen much of it, but I used to I, when yeah, I used we'll to buy to... Power Slam on the monthly reg. I remember that the issue where it'd have those pictures and just being morbidly fascinated with just like how mental it all yeah, is. Yeah, we will have to make a couple of those sort of matches future episodes of this series. Apart from that, not much else about the Necro Butcher. I certainly didn't realise... I mean, in this match, you, I think you were revealed to yeah, me in that. Yeah, I don't know if I was, should have saved this for the episode. Yeah. To those of you that didn't know, Samoa Joe in this match, I think, is 25 or 26 years old. Necro Butcher is 30 years old. If we <laughs> believe the age is given on the internet. Yeah. He's 30 years old at this point. I, I wrote about this in my book and with the Ring of Honor CZW viewed. Why the ECW arena is a perfect setting for this? Because I think post-ECW... There was this branching off, and what I relate it to is like the post-punk, where there were various reasons that different types of people were drawn into the punk scene. And for some, that then followed through by going to getting into bands like Black Flag. They literally became called hardcore music, where it was all about the speed, the loudness, the energy. You know, it's what Dead Kennedys versions of punk. And then there were those that went there for like the, the notion of artistic freedom and just being able to do whatever you wanted and not being confined by rules of musicality necessarily. But if you did want to go down there... So that's people that will probably like get, get into things like Television's Marky Moon album, or Talking Heads, or Joy Division mm. and New Order, and all that sort of what became the American alternative scene of the 80s, all the way through to like R.E.M. and The Replacements. Those sort of bands. And this is a weird 
coming together of them back at the place that it was born. Yeah. That splitting off and them coming back and being so completely different to each other. And yet it melding into a way that at the very least makes it memorable. I don't know if someone will consider this a good match or not. I do. But there are certain requirements that would make a robot, as they would have been called at this point, an ROH bot who thinks that's the only kind of yeah. the sort of purity hipsterish elements. The point of this match is that Joe can wrestle and fight. Necro can fight, but he can't necessarily wrestle. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was a good match. I'd say what I watched was entertaining, with two slight exceptions. Well, that was um, related to someone landing on their head. They are, as it happens, yes. And obviously, and uh, the crown of the head. Yeah. After our whole watching the winter of Misawa's career and the four pillars absolutely trying to put each other in wheelchairs. That's a different thing, though. These weren't headbutts that are going to break your neck. These are head head drops that are going to kill your brain, essentially. Yeah. Because like, he takes um... them full force on his forehead. And they weren't intended as bumps for that, but Necro didn't necessarily... I don't know if no is the right way or was in any kind of physical condition to really take those bumps because they made a whole point of it in the commentary. He had literally come from a night flight from Japan the previous night where he'd been fighting a big death match against Madman Pondo where he'd been completely split open, cut himself really Mm. bad. So that's why very early on, Joe headbutts him a couple of times and he's bleeding a bucket load because there's like... Because it's fresh skin. There's yeah. a fresh wound like Ric Flair doing a couple of times and being covered. I, th- I think the power slam slams him, but like for can't spin. Yeah, I think that's the a rotation. Slip mark, that off your, mark that off your bingo cards. The rotation doesn't work. Yeah, I, I do think that's a slip from Joe, and that's just like I think it's a bit. Of, I think they're both at, at fault there. Just don't know if Necro could have taken that bump and the way it was basically Joe doing that power slam that Randy Orton does as well, mm. but. It's on the floor as well, so it's not like a usual run-up in the ropes or anything. Yeah. The whole point of it is that he goes low and the movement's smooth. I always thought if I ever got into wrestling when I did body slams, I would always, kind of almost through my own fear, I would do the slam where you're holding the back of their heads and you're sort of slamming them across. Just for my own sense of safety that I know they're going to... They're not going to land awkwardly. Like, I'm helping to control their fall. I'm with you. And the whole point of this is the snap of it. And you mm. can do it to Austin Aries. You can do it to CM Punk. You can do it to Roderick Strong. You can do it to Christopher Daniels. Yeah. Necro maybe doesn't know how to do that. True. But they probably took and... through ahead of time. So maybe they were both yeah. at fault for thinking they could. Like, look, it... it fits within the story that Necro doesn't know how to engage in that sort of thing. Yeah. He doesn't have that string in his bow. What both men are known for, they're USPs are showcased here yeah. like joe's sort of like big bruiser but lightning quick and like technical ability but he can like he can do everything he can mix he's like he's a, a, like one of the first true hybrids yeah versus necro butcher's insanity and his never say die attitude i get those characters a lot more i understood those characters after watching like nine minutes of wrestling. Obviously, I've got like a lot, a lot more knowledge of Joe. Yeah. But if I was coming into it completely cold, I would have gone away going, "Okay, that's who he. That's what he's about. That's what he's about." Cool. If there's one sort of wrestling I like, I'm going to go with him. If there's one other sort of wrestling I like, I'm probably going to go with the other. Especially at that point, 
it was like these little islands unto themselves. The ultraviolet deathmatch scene, the serious technical Japanese influence. It's like those that went to ECW for things like Axel Rotten and Ian Rotten, which is probably the most extreme of the ECW matches when they had the Taipei deathmatch with the fist covered in glass. And neither of those guys really were wrestlers, trained wrestlers in any proper sense particularly. Well, some people did defend Axel Rotten more and he did change that up. But in that moment, it was just about the gore and the blood and the guts. That was probably the bloodiest outside of the gangsters that ECW ever went with that feud between Ian and Axel Rotten. And Ian obviously then went on to to run I mean Mid-South and it was originally meant to be like that sort of deathmatch scene but then he started to bring in guys like CM Punk and Chris Hero and then it became something a little different so yeah. they would do like deathmatch tournaments and strong style serious tournaments so there was that so it was kind of IWA Mid-South would try and appeal to both sides of the audience essentially whereas like CZW was one thing and Ring of Honor was the other like I say Ring of Honor was probably for those that liked ECW more for like Eddie Guerrero Dean Malenko matches or even stuff involving Taz yeah. and Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn and Lance Storm. They liked that more, and that was where they were able to get more of the other one. But like I said, mm. this this sort of started to allow things to meld back in again. Like they had another re- they had a rematch. Necro Butcher wrestled Loki a couple of times in IWA Mid South as well. And so it became this more fun melding of styles leading to the Ring of Honor CZW feud the next year. You still to this day get guys that would bridge both things. Like Homicide would try to do that whole... What one Ring of Honor the feud ultimately was that they could bring in Homicide who could do both, you know? He could engage CZW on their terms. He has this amazing spot in the uh, Cage of Death match they have. Again, another match we might cover for this series. Because Nick Robert's whole thing, although he doesn't do it in this, is that he would fight barefoot a lot of the times. This whole thing of he's just like a crazy hobo. And... He charges towards homicide, and homicide happened in that moment to have a sack full of thumbtacks. So he just empties them out in front of him, so that he finds himself running onto the thumbtacks mid-charge, and it's fucking up his feet. It's kind of like what you like to measure, because I guess you're like me, and you do go down that more sort of technical, maybe up your own ass, sort of serious wrestling, you know, as opposed to the ultraviolent stuff. And another analogy I would give to that is, like, I got so annoyed when I would talk about mixed martial arts back in the day when it was sort of building up, and people would say, oh, yeah, like Kimbo Slice. And I would say, no, not like Kimbo Slice. And I guess, obviously, now with recent success of guys like Jorge Masvidal, who who bridge that gap as well, I suppose. I did end up watching a couple of Jorge Masvidal backyards brawls for Kimbo Slice out of curiosity and it was funny seeing a guy who obviously had a bit more of the technical skill but was engaging the so that was that was kind of the close thing to similarity also with Necro Butcher around this time there was a horrible horrible culture on the on the online scene of, of bum fights have you heard of those I and this is this is not a moment that covers me in honor I have I was lent as a teenager and watched bum fights too so yes, yes, I am fully aware of them fights. So I think again, there's something in Necro Butcher as well, and I think the whole thing about Necro is that he's not even necessarily maybe that good a fighter, but he can just yeah. take a shit kicking and and bring it on, you know, and and can stay in it. One thing I'd say about this is yes, it's like that wild, crazy brawl, but there seems to be just when I watched it, there was just a little bit of professionalism missing from it i I mean that in the sense of it just felt a little bit too wild and amateurish but they fought Mm. 
No, I disagree on the amateurish side of it because I think what you're seeing from Necro Butcher, and there's a reason that Ring of Honor not only used him for the CZW feud, but then after that finished, they brought him back, and he was involved in that well, that legendary Age of the Fall angle and faction with Tyler Black, aka Seth Rollins and Jimmy Jacobs, and mm. they incorporate because he knows how to carry a crowd and get them emotionally involved. Like his selling throughout this match is great, and I wonder if it's almost like it's part of his character to not bump that well. That it's, yeah. Like, that is the necro bump that he might have intended to take a bit more. Like Mick Foley, Mick Foley took particularly nastier bumps than other people necessarily had to. When he get whipped into the stairs, instead of doing the traditional taking it on your shoulder or on the back, he does the flip over taking it knee first, which is something that just emotionally affects you differently. Bret Hart was like that. When he'd take a corner whip bump, he would take it sternum first. Yeah. And that would always elicit a different response because it's a different type of bump. So I'm not entirely convinced that those two visible bumps that people say are botches are 100% botches. Maybe he would like to have taken the bump, but he wasn't going to be... He would take... The, the, the forehead one work for him as well. Like, you couldn't screw it up because the whole point of Necro is that he kind of can't wrestle. Yeah. And that and the Joe is also as hard as hard as balls. And it's also, funnily enough, I do back think... to the AJPW analogy, it's a bit like a more extreme version of the Masawa-Kawada exchanges. Because we were saying, like, with Kawada, he's got force. Masawa has precision. Like, at the start, yeah. Necro tries to engage with Joe at his own game because he throws elbows instead of fists. And Joe just completely overwhelms him pretty early on. And then he hits him with an enziguri that sends him to the outside, which is kind of the story that... Not only can he match Necro, he can probably throw a harder punch than Necro, and he can take a shot as well because he's Samoan and he's Samoa Joe, and they have a hardness anyway to them. Yeah, but he also has more tools in his arsenal that he can hit Necro with a, an enziguri that he'll see out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and then they sort of allude to that with the uh, interaction with the ref at the start. Necro like floors the ref. Like, now nah, we're going to fight, and then the ref comes back up and Joe just launches him out of the yeah. ring. Yeah, Joe is, you know, if you're a UFC fighter, you probably can do very well in a street fight. It's kind of like, have you ever seen footage of people fighting in the streets? You know, Joe Rogan will put them on. And you'll see them both squaring up, and then one of them will throw a leg kick, and the other one's like, what the fuck is going on? You know? (laughs) It's like, like that's cheating! (laughs) Almost, but because it's in a wrestling ring, it's following the rules. Before, obviously, like a few years ago, uh, when we were having a conversation, you were talking about how you, like, oh, fat luck went to, like, a badminton tournament at one point, or, like, played... Uh, in like a little like friendly uh, league sort of thing. Yeah. And you were like, I thought I was quite good. And, and, but then uh, the moment I knew I was screwed well, like, yeah. is when they went to serve and there was like a set stance they did. Yeah. And you're like, ah, yeah. oh, well, like, well, I can get it over the net. And I thought, well, that's good. Like most of the time I get it over the net. Thing is, I don't know where it's landing after that. Yeah. <laughs> they do. They knew exactly where it was going to go after it went over the nets. So yeah, I'm the I'm the necro butcher of the badminton scene. Okay, <laughs> there That's you it. go. What um, a sentence! Again, I'm trying to challenge your notion of what's good. I think you're kind of going almost like on a like like it's a driving test, and because they've hit a bumper or something. No, 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 no. It's emotionally. No, I'm not doing that. It's emotionally involving, and surely that's what wrestling has to be first and foremost. They tell the story they want to tell incredibly well in this match. I have obviously like said in terms of like the characters, yeah, 
You can show this match to someone who's never watched any of them wrestling before, and you'll know what both of them are, and you'll be emotionally involved in it by the end. You could show someone this cold, who's not even into wrestling, and they will be intrigued by it. I you couldn't necessarily show them Samoa Joe against CM Punk in a 60-minute match that would do that same thing, you know? I, you you problems... probably couldn't get someone to watch a, an all-out, ultra-violent, hedge-trimmer, weapons brawl with Necro. I think one of the problems I have is commentary and i know it shouldn't detract as much from the match as it does but for me it really did it grated on me like horribly and it gave gave me the impression that it was just one of these things they've thrown together because oh it'd be cool for the boys not necessarily cool for the crowd and maybe subconsciously that's borrowed into my interpretation of the match yeah I like all three of those guys that are on commentary. Like Eddie Kingston, he's one of the best talkers in wrestling, and he's someone that I definitely want us to cover as a wrestler as well, because he's also someone that goes for the violent stuff, but it's all about the a bit of the Tommy Dreamer in him. There's a bit of the Sandman in him, but there is also like you know he, he was trained in Chikara and he was their Grand Champion for ages, so he mm. can wrestle as well, and he's someone that has just like an interesting story. Obviously, it's CM Punk as well. You should also know that this was made a, a week before he was supposed to have his big farewell thing for Ring of Honor. So it's this is like end of term time. And there, there is that sense of end of term in the commentary because they're kind yeah. of... It's almost like a, a prototypical version of the Excalibur Chuck Taylor commentaries that you'll get in PWG. They're making these insider references to Rob Naylor, who I know is like a figure... He does interviews for High Spots and he was working in FCW and, and I think NXT a lot of the time. So like yeah. a Jeremy Borash figure, I think, basically. But in PWG it works. And maybe it's because I don't haven't watched enough I like IWA mid-south to know what the general vibe was but, but you know you know what I mean but PWG are, is just end of third time anyway but like, as a promotion they are super into this match isn't that good though yeah. that they're engaged sometimes they're kind of having a laugh about it in a weird way there are some iconic calls in this match when Joe powerbombs Necro on the guardrail Punk's call of somebody's gonna die yeah that's, like, like... that's an iconic call as just like encapsulating everything in that moment i would put that up with like good god almighty or anything like that oh yeah there's, there's quotable things in the anarchy of it and in a weird way their anarchic commentary kind of fits the the wildness of this match itself i get where you're coming from especially like but, the, the, the number of insider yeah. terms that i don't get I, I guess I just get the sense of tr- but, but that's try hard, seen, try that's, hardness from it. I don't think it's try hard. I think it's maybe not try hard enough, like not treating it seriously. Because they are having jokes no, about no, 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 no. this is a what massive I mean, hold the hold encounter. I think some of them try too hard to make the catchphraseable moment. I, I think no, too I don't many think they were looking to make catchphraseable moments. I don't think that at all. I think just like the way they like really scream down the mic for it, and, like, and they are they are enjoying themselves. That's fine. It seems like you could have been almost secretly recording them in the eagle's nest, watching it just as the boys. Yeah. you know. Yeah. But in a way, that's maybe what this whole experience was meant to be. This was meant to be this freakish, like this isn't the this isn't the norm. Everything's like been thrown out the window for one for one match. A yeah. conventional commentary is not really appropriate either. Um, obviously, he wanted it, to get this to resonate with me. Like that, I, I kind of tuned it out because it was so what we've seen visually was so arresting. To be honest with you, mm. what was interesting while rewatching it this time was I always thought it was almost like a jo- Joe squash, and it wasn't really. Necro dishes out at various points. He gets some shots in, and I, I mean, but it's just I, mean, I guess it's the bumps that he squash takes are more with, like, spectacular. Post finish as well. 
Because if it was a squash, a guy would just be like destroyed, like absolutely not. To em- a squash is meant to emphasise like the raw power of someone, so that person shouldn't be able to get up. No, that's just my opinion uh, on a squash. It is still a shit kicking of a lifetime for this. Yeah. For the most part, it's like just because the Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels in Hell in the Cell wasn't technically a squash, it was still a hell of a shit kicking for the most yeah, part. Yeah, you can call you it know? like an eighty twenty or a seventy thirty, but it's not a squash. Yeah, yeah. That's my point. Yeah, but, um, but like, I, that was my memory of it. But I think that's because all the memorable bumps are ones that Necro takes, and they're such nasty ones. Even when he does a senton on Joe on the railing, he manages to do it so that his spine essentially hits the guardrail, and it doesn't necessarily hurt Joe that much. <laughs> Which is a great but way again, of protecting your... Works uh, within the character that he's so <laughs> reckless. So reckless, but he's also so determined that whilst Joe is trying to make this dominant display, Necro won't let him. You know, he tries to do a pinfall that's one boot and he can't yeah. do it. And maybe it's that sense of maybe a pinfall will never hold Necro down. Like, he'll just always put his shoulder up. But to get him to stand back on his feet, that might be a bigger ask. So instead he goes for the knockout win. Which was, I think, yeah. something that was common within like the deathmatch CZW scene because I remember when he was in the Ring of Honor CZW feud, which I keep referring to this whole thing, but like I said, I think this because of this match that happened. There was a bit between, with that when Necro was trying to get a knockout, like him and what, I think it was Adam Pierce were trading, just in ring again, like bum fight almost, just just bare knuckle brawling, which is now a thing somehow. <laughs> again, more things change, the more they stay the same, eh? Yeah. But I think also subsequent to this, like you would see sometimes, John Moxley loves this match. Because I remember Renee Young tweeting like a quote from her boyfriend. It's like, hey, have you ever watched the Samoa Joe Necro Butcher match? And then just an emoji suggesting that she didn't enjoy it necessarily. <laughs> Again, it's that engaging of can make them both work and come together. Like I said, that there are now bands that will take that hardcore inspiration. They'll take the extremes of the black flags and everything, but also with the intelligence, you probably would get something like a Death Haven. Well, refused, maybe, I guess could be a good example. This is the wrestling equivalent of refused shape of punk to come. Because right. you did start to get more extreme stuff come into this afterwards to the point that it's now all over the place. I sometimes wondered if I could make a list or a book or something about like the 50 most important matches historically in wrestling. Like of the modern era, if you take it from 1984 onwards. I don't know if I'd fit this one in if it was 50, but I think if there were 100 matches, I'd put this in as one of the most okay. artistically significant matches. You know? I would say maybe the starting point should be Dynamite Kid against Tiger Mask. And then you go on from there. Which, again, I didn't enjoy either. <laughs> so maybe it's just that. Maybe, maybe like it's just you. <laughs> Simon, have you ever thought but, that? You know what? Yes. I, I, I can only give my viewpoint on what I saw at the um, end of the day. I definitely think this is something that could spark further conversation. We need to engage more with our audience, so I think I wouldn't mind trying to start up little forums and everything. But like I said, it's very, very highly rated on Cage Match, which is going to kind of be our constant reference point now, I guess, for this. Uh, that There it's got an average rating of 9.17 out of 10. Yeah. So you're well, in usually, the minority, Simon. Yeah. Usually the way I um, go have go about gone about my picks so far, like within this series is I want to see X what's good with X and then like or where does X go against someone who Y who's like a a juxtaposition of styles and I do use cage match for that your next choice does involve an X (laughs) it would have involved a Y as well if there weren't uh, trademark issues but it's the first time for another promotion again Simon what's been your pick 
for this one because again we're not necessarily talking about quality you know like there are some people <laughs> like um yo i was gonna do that there's, there's, a YouTuber, there's a youtuber that i'm a big fan of called joseph monticello i think his name is he's from the philippines and he does video essays about pro wrestling and he did one about this match where he he justified his uh, reasoning for giving it five stars that everyone should check out. It's a very good one. Um, okay. Um, has he been sectioned under the mental health act? Well, yet? I think you watch the watch the video essay, and I think you'll see exactly where he comes from. We'll, we'll provide a link to that on our social medias. I think if you get a chance to. Right. Uh, oh, well, that's kind of not me for a kill. Any cello. I will send that link to you now whilst we're talking. But anyway, for so those who I'm... haven't pieced it together, what we're talking about is a match that took place. At TNA Lethal Lockdown no, this, no, 2007. No, this is the match he gave five stars. He gave the Necro Samoa Joe match five stars. Ah, no right, one would give right. this match five stars. Right, that's why I asked the question. I wasn't being like overtly harsh. Well, it sounded like it. <laughs> All I was just for the for another match. Anyway, next in the series is at Lockdown 2007 for TNA, and it's LAX taking on Team 3D so named for copyright purposes, for the TNA, I think it's, no, it's NWA. No, it's the NWA. Point. That's a key point, actually, that it's the NWA World Tag Team Titles. World Tag Team Titles in an electrified steel cage match. Mm. Now, I don't like to give away the farm all the time, but I will say those fans who enjoyed hearing us talk about World of Sport when we did our World of Sport episode reviews will be in for a bit of a treat next time until then i will say that one of my main points of in this next match will be the importance of stage lighting in wrestling but anyway until then if you want to get in touch with myself that's lorcan mullen l-o-r-c-a-n-m-u-l-l-a for ability to take a bump n for not really my thing at gmail.com is my email address lorcan mullen is also my instagram facebook letterboxd if you get in touch with the show, it's lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYspod is also our Twitter handle. Simon, how can people get in touch with you? People can get in touch with me on Twitter. It's so known as Simon Cross Free. Free. For the moment in this match, I thought Necro Butcher would require a CAT scan afterwards. Mm. Well, there's nothing left to be said at this point, except that this is a match I genuinely could have talked about for a much longer time than that. And, you know, for a match that's 9 minutes and 49 seconds, I think we've probably gone triple that length, have we? Yes, we've just about gone triple that length. And I still feel like we could talk about it for at least another 30 minutes. So maybe maybe we could do a roundup episode in the future if people have their own ideas about a match and they want to talk to us about it. But anyway, until then, there's nothing left to say except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time. <laughs>